I've got to be straightforward. I feel very unworthy of that <laughs> introduction. I um, want to say it's really nice to be home and in many ways be back in the mountains uh, together with family. And I think my family's in this section over here. Um, so please um, don't avoid them later. Uh, no, I, I, want to, I want to say this. One of the beautiful things that I um, have gotten to see is, is you. And um, for those of us who live in Scotland, uh, our family is very much tied to this church. Three of my daughters were dedicated to the Lord on this platform. Um, they have grown up to be incredibly beautiful daughters, uh, one of which uh, is working for the Evangelical Alliance in the United Kingdom in London. I'm so proud of her. Uh, second daughter is right behind, uh, just dancing, getting ready for a life on West End stage, I hope, in the future at York, uh, St. John University, and Ellie, um, a traditional Scottish, Scottish fiddleist. So if you want to hear her play uh, at the Royal Scottish Conservatory and finishing up high school, and my beautiful wife, Courtney, um, could I have you stand, my beautiful wife? Um, please just stand. Mom, would you stand as well? Please. Please. Just stand up. Um, my wife, who's a, a beautiful primary teacher in Dundee, Scotland, as well, and it's been amazing for us to be as missionaries. But I want to—I wanted I asked Dylan. Dylan, would you throw up a picture? I want to go to prayer real quick. I want—I want you to take a look at those two faces Courtney had shared with me just as we were sitting in the pew. Uh, that today. Um, that's Natasha and Olena Bianenko, and they are living in our home through the Homes for Ukraine scheme. They've come and lived with us, and our family has changed and changed on April 28th. And they are now living with us. And if you could pray for them today, they, live in, they are from Kramatorsk in Ukraine. Uh, yesterday, their city was shelled by Russians and is starting to be razed to the ground. So I think it's appropriate that we take time to really pray for them, uh, pray for the Ukrainians. I was really grateful to see that you have a flag up. Um, the issue hasn't gone away for us who live in Europe. It's very much a real issue. Um, and within the next year, we'll have 300,000 troops. Again, a Cold War looming. Um, if you could be praying for them specifically and their family. But let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are reminded that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And nothing is too difficult for you. And Father, we, we think of Natasha and Olena. We think of their family and the families like them who are migrating all over the world. No different than us. They just happen to live somewhere with occupation, with bombs, with war. Lord, give us a heart to remember them. Give us a mind to stay focused upon them. God, would you do in them what we ask you to do in us and save them? Would you minister your gospel to them, your love to them? Would you show through us your compassion? 
Lord, we ask that your spirit would be upon them, that your spirit would brood over the nation of Ukraine. That, Father, for those soldiers who will be positioned in Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, Poland, Czech Republic, Moldova, Lord, that you would give wisdom and guidance. Father, we thank you that you are sufficient for us to lean on. And so, God, we ask that your spirit would speak to us today as we attempt to go into your word, to recognize you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. No man lives unto himself, that's what Jesus said. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. When Paul wrote that in Romans 14, he must have been clearly thinking about the trials and the temptations that go on in the church. We know the context. There's an argument over food, but the words are bigger than just food. We see the clear implications that you and I who call ourselves Christians must consider other people. That for the Christian, we make sacrifices in the way that we live. And it's these that make an impact on us, on those around us, inside the church and outside the church. At Downfield, Mains, about a year ago, we started using the phrase that the Moravian movement put into to motion. Not only does a man live unto himself, but he is true to Christ. He is kind to all people, and he takes the gospel to the nations. And we felt that that would be a good platform for us as a church under the order of the mustard seed, a symbol of a community, not only formed in 1719 by Count von Zinzendorf on the border of Germany and the Czech Republic, but for us who are in Scotland, that we would be true to Christ, that we'd be kind to people, and that we would take the gospel to the nations. To do that, it calls us to something, something important, something that my PhD, thank you for the introduction, uh, talked about. Being an advocate specifically for the sake of others matters to God. It matters not only that we sit in this place, but that we go from this place, that we become champions, upholders, supporters, backers, promoters, proponents, exponents, protectors, patrons, spokespersons, spokeswomen, spokesmen, speakers for, campaigners for, crusaders for, missionaries, reformers, pioneers, pleaders, propagandists, apostles, and apologists. My aim today is to call each of you and myself out of ourselves for the sake of others that you might realize who God has called you to be as much as he's called any of us to be. That we share the love of God, that we rescue those who are in need. 
I was recently talking to a primary school teacher in the local primary across the street from the school. Through COVID, we, we struck up an unlikely friendship. Uh, and when I was visiting the school, he, he revisited the subject of God with me. Uh, you'll notice that many people, maybe in Scotland, um, don't really bring up the conversation about God unless they have a friendship. And so we began to talk about the subject of deism, the belief that God spun the world into existence and then decided to leave. And for him, this idea was a basic uh, no-brainer, that God really doesn't and isn't interested in what you and I do on a daily basis. We call this nihilism. And the most elementary problem that I have about this philosophy with this gentleman, uh, and not to mention that some, some actual Christians suffer from this concept too, that God doesn't really care, um, that it gives us a non-excuse to act. Basically, it says you don't have to do anything, which is not true. This is why, because I shared with him about Christian theism, a person who believes in God and the person of Jesus Christ who left heaven made an action and came for us. And the beautiful thing about this is that God, in his infinite wisdom, saw that we needed action to experience the loss of a friend, to provide love and care, compassion for the stranger, for the alien. This is what God has done for you and for me. And as I was chatting with him, I realized once again, again and again, that we are called as Christians to be advocates. Advocates specifically for one who listens for voices, but also one who does what they say. See, to be fair and honest, I've had to do a lot of soul searching in the last year, especially in the last months. Uh, with the reality of the economic inflation that we're dealing with, fuel poverty, changing political landscapes, various wars and rumors of wars that are sitting on the borders of Europe, the forced migrants and people who have come. And, the, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is the most number of refugees we've had since World War II on the move. And in this historical precedence, I believe that God is calling us into action, into war footing, to put us into a position in which we are ready in this next season, not bystanders, but champions. Not with guns, but with something far more important, our lives, our importance. And I want to say this, there's no option to being a champion. You must be a champion. Be true to Christ. It drives our advocacy. Firstly, the message that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Secondly, that we present this message as Christians continuously, whether we live in the mountains of North Carolina or in the city streets of Dundee. The reality is that we are living in a time in which the socioeconomic language, culture, are all being challenged, and we have been called to take the gospel to the nations. And it's one reason my family forsake the comforts, oftentimes, of home for the sake of the Lord in places where people do not know us and do not understand us so that we might be true to Christ and called his advocates. 300 Ukrainians have migrated into my city. And I stand today, in some instances, a bit 
bewildered at the reality that God would have me graduate with a degree in migration only to be readied for the sake of the largest migration movement in a century. We've had 40,000 people come to, to the United Kingdom through the Homes for Ukraine scheme, which Natasha and Olena are part of. They come and they live in homes offered by people, rooms often. And those people give them a place and space to live while they start a new life. These men and women working together that I've worked with over the last year or the last months, um, we've advocated for free busing, medical, food, spaces, ESL classes. And working together with other Christians and other churches, we've opened rooms in homes for mothers and daughters. Um, not only that, though. God has given me a platform to speak into the life of the nation. To my amazement, invited into various different meetings at Westminster and Holyrood parliaments, discussing the importance of advocating for people. And that is our role as the church. So what does it look like to be an advocate? Well, we speak for people groups, pantata ethnane. I want to draw your attention to Esther. Uh, Esther, Mordecai the Jew, and this will be up there, uh, the Jew was second only to King Azarias. He was the highest ranking Jew, and he was admired by a num numerous relatives. He worked enthusiastic for the good of people and was an advocate for the welfare of all his descendants, whether it's Jews or whether it was Syrians or whether it's Hong Kongers who are coming into uh, our country now in the United Kingdom, or it's Ukrainians. Mordecai gives us an example of someone who speaks on behalf of nations. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have a voice to speak into the life of a community. Whether it's the model in the Old Testament of Moses saying, let my people go, or it's Esther. What's at stake when we keep our mouths shut? Salvation and the good of a people. Let me ask you a question. Are you still speaking for Ukrainians? In the context of our news cycles, I've noticed in the United Kingdom that less and less news is going towards Ukraine. I'm not sure what it's like here. Are you still speaking on behalf of them? Are you thinking of them? Are you praying for them? They need our assistance more than ever. And the reminder that today, Kramatorsk had shelling should speak volumes to all of us. That the goal is to take the whole of the nation, not just the East. What else does an advocate do? He speaks for families and orphans. A father to the orphans, an advocate for widows, is the God who lives in his holy dwelling place, Psalm 65. I think James, the half-brother Jesus, said it better. Pure and undefiled religion is what? Looking for orphans and widows. My friends Nick and Maya Mikuluk 
who are missionaries from this church, have labored since I met them, Courtney and I met them in 1997, to see the Lord move in Ukraine. On one trip that I took early on to the Ukraine through this church, I ended up with an interpreter named Luda, and Luda was my speaker for the week. How many of you have ever tried to learn Ukrainian or Russian? God bless you over there. It is very difficult. I know. We live with two. And Google Translate has become my best friend. Luda, Luda was living in Kharkov, and when the first bombs went off, uh, she began a migration journey uh, across Ukraine. And I remember being on my phone continuously just chatting with her. You can make it. You can do it. She was trying to get to Lviv uh, and then out of the country. And by the time she ended her migration, she was in Ostrava, Czech Republic, to which she had come to a man from Britain named Terry English, pretty apropos. And uh, he, he said, Nathan, um, uh, we have these Ukrainians here. Uh, would you like to help us? I said, well, how can we help? And he said, well, we've got these children who are now um, going into schools, and would you be willing to uh, give towards starting a Ukrainian school in the Czech Republic? And through Josiah Venture and that partnership, they have now become the main staple for the Czech government on how to run a school for the Ukrainians. But this is advocation. Luda has asked repeatedly uh, for help and assistance, and which we have been able to give through the gracious giving of Community Bible. We have funneled over 30,000 pounds to help house, to help start schools, and to help establish uh, families. We also shipped tons and tons of material into Poland, which was pretty amazing. Um, because it unified and brought together the whole of our people uh, in our city. Uh, I thought I would be really keen and say, well, for, for two hours, twice, we'll open up our church and we'll gather some things together. I had a friend of mine in Northern Ireland who said, I'm going to take Arctic lorries. If you can just get the materials to me, that'd be great. I said, well, that's wonderful. In two hours, we filled our sanctuary seven feet high with materials. The paper showed up, and they took a picture, um, which could not symbolize the whole, but ev evidently that picture went out into the city, um, and then our Facebook post went out into the city, and 30,000 people saw what we were doing, and then the next two hours that came, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people Gave medical supplies, nappies, that's diapers, um, coats, and we shipped it. And we gathered a team of churches together, we prayed over it, and we, um, we saw within two hours all of those things go into large trucks. Those trucks then went uh, to Northern Ireland, and from Northern Ireland, they went on to Poland. See, God is a God who advocates why? Well, we have the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? 
How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit? If you want more of the Holy Spirit, let's stand to our feet right now and just ask Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit is wonderful. He is known as the advocate in the Bible, and he is with the Christian. Then I will ask the Father, and he will give you an, another advocate, and he will be with you forever. Let's pray. Father, I pray your anointing in the name of Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, that you would fill afresh everyone in this place, God, that not only would they know you as advocate, but God, as advocate, you would cause them to be advocates for the sake of your glory. Father, you give supernatural ability beyond our own natures. Be filled for the sake of the glory of God. Be filled for his glory. Father, would you cause them to teach and remember all that you've done? You're worthy, God. You're worthy. Lord, would you show someone in this room, somebody that you've been calling them to advocate for, some group of people, some person, some family. God, would you give them a vision of a person that you've been calling them to advocate for right now? And Father, would they give all you the glory, God? Would they be obedient to that call? In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit, you may see it. The Holy Spirit. He will cause you to remember everything that I have told you, Jesus said. Strategy is vital. It comes with learning and growing as a disciple, thinking and advocating for Christianity that is thoughtful, that we think. And what I mean by that is that it's informed that we have a world out there that needs Jesus. And we're called to bring him there. The advocate testifies about the truth. If God is the advocate and we are his representatives here, that when the advocate comes, sent by the Father, the spirit of truth will come from the Father and he will testify about me. Are you an apologist for Christ? Are you an advocate? Are you a champion? An apologist for Christ, like an expensive sports car, moves into gear seamlessly when shifts take place. What shifts need to take place in your life? What shifts do you need? All of us want seamless transition. That's not how life works, does it? We want to be honest, we want to be real. When we learned of families moving into the UK, as I've said, we went into action, and through the contact of other local churches of Scotland, we learned that there was another manse at Queen Street, St. Luke's, Broddy Ferry. Can you imagine the name of that church? It's quite a, quite a mouthful. And we learned that this manse was available. Now, if I were to walk into the manse, um, you would have smelled cats, the carpet probably had not been changed in about 20 years. It smelled, it was terrible. And a team 
of individuals from our church and local churches went in and within hours stripped all the carpets and began the arduous process of redoing the mats. And when they came to me and said, how much do you think it's going to cost to redo the minister's house for this Ukrainian family? I took a stab. I said, 8,000 pounds. Five-bedroom house. You're like, I wish that was the case, right? <laughs> this just goes to show, don't ever trust the minister with the, the, the financials, right? Uh, 8,000 pounds, I'm sure we can do it. All of a sudden, joiners, non-believing carpet layers, people who'd walked away from the Lord, plumbers, not been going to church anymore, all of a sudden found out that we were redoing this house, and they came. My daughters, one of my daughters painted. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and we had fun. We had a blast as a church in the city redoing this manse. And I found out that the city actually was taking notice of what we were doing. Not only did the papers uh, come over and give an interview, but the city themselves said, we want the church to help. We need you. We recognize we don't have the funds to do this. We don't have the resources. Would you gather together, Nathan, other churches, and would you step into the gap where we can't meet it? Is that not what we have been begging for as the church? of Jesus Christ, that the world would say, come help us, because we need it. That's what we're longing for. And Katerina, Igor, Viera, and Maria, they arrived into their new home, which was way too big for them. And so the immediate thing is they said, can we bring my family from Ukraine here? <laughs> and we said, amen, yes, please bring them all. Bring as many as you need. And all of a sudden that house is full. The house is full. And we gather together the joiners, the non-believing plumbers, the, uh, the very people who came and served. And one lady, I'll never forget this, just... Ladies, you might think you, you can't do anything. She showed up. No, you can, you can do plenty of things, but sorry. I'm, let me rephrase that. That was very bad. How do you get back from that one? I'm sorry. Um, um, one of the ladies, Christine, she, she went out. I'll never forget her. She was painting the bathroom, and she says, I have to leave. And I felt, oh, I've said something just as I did before. And uh, she immediately ran out, and she came back the next day with a piece of paper, and on it was written in handwriting. Every shop she went to in Broady Ferry, the local, the local constituency, and she asked specifically for, for whatever they would give for this family. And she came back with tons of things, all these various things, Free, free food. Um, she even got a free haircut donated. And it was beautiful to see the body of Christ advocate 
That's our job. You don't have to be physically present, by the way. Your prayers matter. McKim family, I want to say something to you. We have four days a week, we have a, fa- we have a group of people that are praying for your family. I want you to know that. We don't have to be present, but we're here and we're praying for you. And that family always wants to know. And we're grateful for that. And we're praying for the whole of the family. But our church, we care. And I really, I'm really grateful for what God's going to do. And I'm believing for full restoration and full healing, just as everyone is here. I also learned something else, and I'm going to close by this. It might be a bit controversial, but it's not. In the Bible, it says this, five days later, the high priest Ananias came in Acts chapter 24 with some elders and a certain forensic advocate, Tertullus, acting as a spokesman and counsel. They presented to the governor their evidence against Paul. In Philippians 4.22, Paul says this, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The advocate can act politically. When I was in the middle of my defense at the University of Aberdeen, I was terrified, to be fair, because it was a two and a half hour arduous process of being questioned beyond measure. And as I was standing, looking out, and I had, an, I had an external examiner from Oxford University and my internal examiner, my internal examiner, who I thought would be kinder um, than the external examiner, actually turned to me and he said, Nathan, you've made a statement here about the fact that the church shouldn't be political. And what he did by pressing me on this is he forced me to see something. That, that, that we as a people have a responsibility to actually think and act politically, to advocate. Why? Because we're part of the process. We're part of the polis. We live in this town. We come to realize, and we live in this world. And every time we help, even in the smallest act of kindness, we are doing something politically. We are resisting the devil. We are resisting evil in the world. We are doing something. See, I thought, I thought you could only act politically if you, were, if you were part of the political process, but it's not true. Every battle we have, every fight that we take, we stand for Jesus. According to the UNHCR, advocacy helps us transform policies and services that affect the displaced and the stateless people. Those people in Ukraine, they need our help. And so I want to I wanna say this at the end, um, that God has called us to advocation, to be advocates, to advocacy. And if you and I, um, as we move forward, um, remember what God's called you to be and do and what he's called me to be and do, We'll see the Lord move. We'll see how fun it is to actually stand for those who need our help. And so I want to thank you um, today. And I want to ask a blessing on you. And I know, Gary, you're going to come up and do communion. Before we go into communion, um, if I could just pray for you. Um, 
specifically. Lord, I pray, I pray that you, God in your glory, would take forward the cause of Christ into a world so often broken. Father, we pray for those who need our advocacy. We pray for the poor. We pray for the sick. We pray for the helpless. We pray for the migrant, for the refugee. Father, we pray for those who are on the move and pray that you would remind us that you've called us to something deeper. Jesus, you stood in the gap on the cross for us. Help us to stand in the gap for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the communicants would come forward, prepare for Holy Communion. So we heed the word today. Your little boy or little girl in public school, you can be an advocate for those who are being bullied, for the new, for the new student in town, for the insecure, for the unborn. We can speak for the unborn. We can speak for the born and unwanted. Speak for the orphans and the widows. We can speak, and we can speak in word, and we can speak in deed. We have that authority given to us by Christ Jesus. I've learned a lot today. Those gifts that we gave in this environment, and those plates in the back, affected people's lives. And when we ask for those gifts to be multiplied and 30,000 people find out about those gifts and add to it, that prayer gets answered. It's our obedience that the Lord uses, and obedience out of love is unstoppable. Not an hour ago, we reoriented Christ to the top of the list again. A minor tweak, I'm sure. They would kill tens of thousands of lambs on Passover. They'd pull back the neck and slice the carotid artery of these innocent animals, and blood would flow beneath the temple like a river, literally like a river of blood. This blood doesn't take as much. It's divine, and it's set apart, and it's potent. And it's a river that covers the nations and it covers your sin and mine. And it's the response to our request for an apology and forgiveness. On the night our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to him. He said, take eat, this is my body broken for you. And this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink ye all of it. The greatest calling we have is to worship the Lord God in word and in deed. And the greatest blessing we have is the forgiveness of sin. 
the clearing of our conscience, innocence and grace in the eyes of God, that we with liberty may minister both to one another, to him, and as often the case here, to the world. Think about that as you humbly come to take Holy Communion together, at the root of which is the word, Thanksgiving, Eucharist, Thanksgiving. So come to your appropriate station, take the wafer and dip it in the cup, the broken body of Christ. Your sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. When the paralytic was let through the roof, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And he was healed. Notice the priority. We come to he who forgives sins. And in so doing, the result is a healing. We don't come to him for healing. And then acknowledge his lordship. He's lord whether he heals or not, provides or not restores or not, protects or not. He is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Father, we come to this table humbly, with reverence, with thanksgiving for what you have done on our behalf to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. As we partake of this cup and the broken body of your Son, I ask you, Father, as a priest, as a shepherd here, I ask you, I ask you to heal emotionally, physically, spiritually, empower, anoint, cleanse, and prepare for a week of ministry in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.